Good morning, church. Thank you so much for being part of our online worship service this morning. I want to tell you, as I do every week, I love you and I appreciate you. Whether you're a member here at McDermott Road or you're visiting with us, thank you so very much for being part of our online service. We are continuing our series on spiritual disciplines. This morning, we're going to talk about the spiritual discipline of solitude and prayer. But before we get to that, I want to tell you something about my wife. I don't know if she'll appreciate me sharing this or not. And some of you, if you know her, you already know that my wife loves going to concerts. Of course, in our current situation, nobody gets to go to concerts, but in a regular, uh, in a regular time, she loves going to concerts. And it always amazes me why anybody would want to go to a concert. I looked up the average ticket price Last year, the average concert ticket price was nearly $100, over $96 per ticket. And it always amazes me why anybody would want to spend a couple hundred dollars to go to a concert and hear songs sung one time when they could buy the album on iTunes for $9.99 and they could listen to it as many times as they wanted. Why would they spend so much more to hear the songs just once? But I think the answer is actually pretty simple. It's that when you enjoy someone, you want to be in their presence, don't you? That's what it's all about. It's all about presence. It's all about, I want to be in the same room with those people. I want to be there with them. Of course, that's right now in our situation. That's the thing that makes this so difficult is because we love being in each other's presence and we can't be. We would do anything right now to be in each other's presence. And when we love a celebrity or when we love a singer or a band, we would pay hundreds of dollars. Some people would probably pay thousands of dollars just to be in the same room, just to be in their presence. And that got me thinking, that that got me asking this question this week. How much would you pay to be in the presence of God? How much would you pay to be in God's presence? If you could just be in the same room with God for just a few minutes to be in the same room with God, to have God's undivided attention. Would you pay $100 to be in the presence of God? Would you pay $1,000 to be in the presence of God? And of course, we know the answer. And yes, of course, we would love to be in God's presence. And we know that we can be in God's presence. And we know that it doesn't cost money to be in God's presence. But it does cost something to be in God's presence. It does require intentionality. It does require training. It does require discipline to really be in the presence of God. But isn't it worth it? In fact, isn't, isn't it worth it to, to do anything hard, anything that's, that's really worth it in life takes doing some hard things to have it, right? If you, if you want to go to a concert and you really want to be in their presence, you say, I'm willing to pay that price. And a great prayer life, a healthy prayer life, 
doesn't just come naturally. I, I, I think that there's probably a lot of Christians that struggle with their prayer life and they think for some other people, it probably just comes naturally. They look at the elders or they look at the ministers, or they look at people in their life and they see people and they say, ah, oh, yeah, that person is just super spiritual and I think spirituality just comes so naturally to them and I wish I was like that, but I'm not really like that and it doesn't come naturally to me. Listen, a healthy, vibrant, deep, and rich prayer life doesn't come easy or naturally to anybody. A healthy prayer life, a rich prayer life, a vibrant prayer life requires, it costs discipline and training and intentionality. We have to try, we have to put in the hard work of being in the presence of God, but oh, how worth it it is. And it's not a chore. It's joy to be in the same room with God, to be in the presence of God, to have the undivided attention of God, to know that God is listening to you, to have an audience with God, not just to be the audience for God, but for God to be your audience, for God to listen to you, for you to have God's undivided attention. That is not only possible, God wants to give you that gift to allow you to come into his presence, but it requires discipline. It requires our effort. It requires our intentionality. And that's what this morning's lesson is all about. So we're going to pick up where we left off last week in Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount. And verse 5, Jesus says this, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. The word hypocrite means an actor. In fact, it was the same word that was used for stage actors in the Greco-Roman world. For they love these religious hypocrites, these religious actors, they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Just like he said in the previous section in Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, he says again that there are people that would practice righteousness, that would do justice, not because they wanted to see justice done, but because they wanted to be seen doing justice. You see the difference? There were people who did justice, not because they wanted to be seen, or not because they wanted to see justice done, but because they wanted to be seen doing justice. They wanted to be seen doing acts of righteousness. And there are some people that don't really want to pray. They want to be seen praying. They, they don't really want to enter into the presence of God and have conversation with God and lay out their heart to their father. They want to be seen praying. They want to be seen as religious. They want to be seen as pious. And Jesus says, truly I say to you, they have received their reward. You get what you're seeking. 
In prayer, you get what you're seeking. If you're seeking attention, if you're seeking accolades, if you're seeking to be seen, if you're seeking for people to say, wow, what a really religious person that is. What a really spiritual person that is. Look at their great spirituality. Look at how pious they are. Listen to that great prayer that that person prayed. If that's what you're seeking, that's what you'll get, and that's all you'll get. That will be the extent of your reward. And that reward is not very great. But that's exactly what they were seeking. And if we're honest, there's sometimes in our lives where we're really not interested in being spiritual people. We're interested in being seen as spiritual people. Now, Jesus here isn't saying that our prayers should never be public. He's not saying don't ever lead public prayer. He's saying don't lead public prayer in order to be seen leading public prayer. Don't pray in order to be seen. Just as we talked about last week, give to the poor, but don't do it so that other people see you giving to the poor. So he says in verse six, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. I want to walk through this verse just a little bit with you this morning. He says, pray to your what? Pray to your Father. Pray to your Father. Prayer is predicated on relationship. Prayer is predicated on relationship. Now, I know sometimes maybe like that word relationship, when we're talking about spirituality, when we're talking about God, it makes us a little bit uncomfortable when we talk about having a relationship with God. What does that mean? What does that entail? What does that look like? We're sometimes more comfortable speaking about our interaction with God as if it was a transaction, as if... God was some sort of vending machine where we put a quarter in and we get a Coke out, right? Where we say our prayer and God gives us what we want. But that's not the way prayer works. Prayer isn't a transaction. It's a relationship. It's relational. It's familial. Prayer is predicated on relationship. You will never have a healthy prayer life until you know the one to whom you're speaking. In fact, it's not so much about what you say, it's about the one to whom you're saying it. See, I think sometimes with prayer, we get so caught up in what do I say? What do I say? How do I say that? How do I pray that? How do I articulate what I'm saying, what I'm feeling, what I want, what I need? And I think sometimes you have to remember that it's not as much what you say as it is the one to whom you're saying it. And Jesus doesn't say here that you're praying to God generically. God is very generic. Do you ever notice that? Even, even somewhat secular people don't mind talking about God, a higher power, a higher being, some creator, as if it's just some deity that maybe he set everything in motion in the very beginning and, you know, he just kind of went about his business and kind of lets us go about our business. But that's not the sort of relationship that Jesus is encouraging his disciples to have with Yahweh. 
The relationship that Jesus is helping his disciples to have with Yahweh is a familial relationship, is a father-child relationship. So when you pray, you must remember that you're praying to your father who loves you, who cares about you. Sometimes I'm afraid we allow our relationship with our earthly father to influence and sometimes to cloud how we think about our heavenly father. And sometimes those of us that had very strained or difficult, sometimes people that have very abusive relationships with their family or with their parent, they, that clouds their perception of who God is God is not the projection of your earthly father. He is your perfect heavenly father. And whether or not your earthly father loves you or loved you, whether or not your earthly father was kind and merciful and loving towards you, your heavenly father loves you and cares about you and wants to hear from you, and wants you to be in his presence. He wants to spend time with you. Isn't that an amazing thing? That the God of the universe, the creator of all things, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, this God wants to spend time with you and wants you to think of him as your father. And then he says, and this phrase has been, just kind of sticking in my head all week long this week. He says, pray to your father who is in secret. In a second, he'll say that he sees in secret, but here he says, your father is in secret. Now, there's a There's a sense in which that's just automatically, obviously true, right? You can't see him. He's in secret. He's in the the hidden place. He's in heaven. But Jesus is encouraging his disciples to go into a secret place, right? He says, go into your room. And the word there means your inner room, like your closet, and shut the door. Go into a secret place and your father who is in secret. See, I think that's exactly what Jesus is saying. That that secret room, that secret place, that closet with the door closed, that back porch first thing in the morning with a cup of coffee, your father is there. That, That secret room with the door closed, your father is there. That back porch first thing in the morning when everybody else is still sleeping, your father is there. That time alone, wherever that is, taking a walk, sitting on an empty, in an empty park on a bench, your father is there. He is in secret. Remember when you're praying, you're speaking to your father. And remember when you go into a secret place where you're intentional because it requires intentionality. It's not about habit. It's not just about doing things out of ritual, ceremony or because you've always done them that way. It's not just about saying a prayer before you eat a meal. Not knocking that, that's a good thing to do. We should do that. We should thank God every moment. But there needs to be some personal, one-on-one, intentional, disciplined time where we go to a secret place, where we close the door, where we go outside where we sit on a quiet bench, where no one else is around and nobody else can hear us and nobody else can see us. He says, your father's there. 
Your father's there. He's there in that secret place. He's waiting for you. And he says, your father who sees in secret will reward you. Again, as we said last week, I don't think he means an eternal reward, even though that might be part of it. I think the reward is is the same way that those who pray in order to be seen by people, they get what they're seeking. You get what you're seeking in prayer. If you're seeking an audience that will applaud you for being so spiritual and saying such great prayers, you'll get that. And that's all you'll get. But if you're seeking the presence of your father, you'll get that. You'll get that. If you're willing to invest the time, if you're willing to be intentional, if you're willing to be disciplined and to say, you know what, this is time for my father. This is time for my prayer. And I'm going to shut off my phone and I'm going to shut off the TV and I'm going to step outside or I'm going to go into my inner room and I'm going to close the door and I'm going to spend time with my father because I love my father and I love spending time with him and I love being in his presence. Jesus says, he will see you and he will reward you. You will get what you're seeking. And isn't this how he began the Sermon on the Mount? Talking about blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. He will reward you. You will get what you're seeking In prayer, if you're seeking to be seen, you'll probably get that. But if you're seeking to simply be in the presence of God, to be in the presence of your Father, you will for sure get that. And if you you would be willing to spend $100 or $200 if you'd be willing to drive several hundred miles to see somebody famous or somebody that you really like or maybe even just a family member that you haven't seen in a while and you'd be willing to spend a lot of money and go a long distance to be in the presence of someone you love or someone you admire or someone you enjoy, what are you willing to do to be in the presence of your father? Would you be willing to shut off your phone? Would you be willing to turn off the radio? Would you be willing to turn off the TV? Would you be willing to step aside? Would you be willing to go into an inner room? Would you be willing to shut the door just to be in the presence of your father? And Jesus says, he's there and he sees you and he will reward you. So go into that secret place and speak with your father. He says, verse 7, and when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. Listen to this. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Again, as we said in the beginning, prayer is predicated on relationship. Jesus says there's some people that are hypocrites that stand out on the street corner or they go into the synagogue and they just pray so that they can be seen by other people. And then there are the Gentiles who think that by babbling on and on and on and saying so many words that they'll get the attention of their God and their God will finally be convinced to care about them and to care about their needs. And isn't that still the case? 
That there are still some times where we pray and we feel like we're praying in order to convince God to care. That's how the Gentiles pray, Jesus says. Jesus says the Gentiles think they have to convince God to care. They think they're going to be heard because they pray enough words. If I pray enough words, if I shout loud enough, if I do enough, do you remember the prophets of Baal? Then I can maybe, perhaps, convince my God to care about my needs. And Jesus says, your father already knows what you need even before you ask him. Prayer is predicated on relationship. Our prayer life is founded on, it's based in, it's anchored in our relationship with God. We don't pray in order to convince God to care. We pray because we know that he already does. You don't have to convince God to care about your needs. He already knows your needs. And he already cares. We don't pray in order to convince God to care about our needs. We pray because we know he does care about our needs. We pray because we know that he is our father. This isn't transactional. Jesus doesn't give us legal terms. Isn't that how we sometimes approach religion? We approach religion in, in terms of like legalese, like we're, like we're lawyers trying to figure out, you know, how to navigate the a law. And Jesus says, it, it's not like that. It's relational. He's your father. So talk to him not trying to impress people by how pious you are and how often you pray or how beautiful you pray, not trying to convince him to listen to you by saying enough words, but speak to him the way you speak to your father, knowing, knowing, convinced, absolutely convinced that he knows you and he cares about you. Even before you ask, you do not have to convince God to care about your needs. You pray because you're already convinced he knows your needs. Look at verse 9. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now we've We've gone through the Sermon on the Mount and we've gone through this prayer probably several times together as a church family. And so you may know already the direction that I want to point out here, but even though this is a very personal prayer, Jesus is speaking about personal prayer life, your personal prayer life, that your personal prayer life needs to be far more robust than your public prayer life, right? You need to have a personal prayer life that is deep, that is rich, that is robust, that is a reward in and of itself. But even though he's talking about personal prayer that requires personal discipline in your personal conversation with God, it still has collective implications and collective benefits. You don't just pray to your Father in heaven, you pray to our Father in heaven. You don't just pray for your daily bread. You pray for our daily bread. You don't just pray for your forgiveness. You pray for our forgiveness. You don't just pray for you to be delivered from temptation 
and from the evil one. You pray for us to be delivered, for us to be forgiven. When when we go to God in prayer, we're, we're still part of a family, and that changes the way we pray, but it also changes the benefits of our prayer life. I am dependent on your prayer life. Do you stop and think about that? That I am dependent on your prayer life. You are dependent on my prayer life. We as a collective body of Christians are dependent on each other's prayer life. This isn't just about your personal relationship with God. It's about your personal discipline to have your personal relationship with God. But that also impacts me. And my relationship with God impacts You, because we are part of the same body. We are members of one body and we belong to each other. And our prayer life, even our personal prayer life, even our most private prayer life, even our secret prayer life has collective implications and collective benefits. We're praying with each other. We're praying for each other, even when we're all alone. But I don't want to stop there. I want to think about it this way. Disciplined prayer isn't just about the revealing of our needs, but also the transforming of our wants. Disciplined prayer isn't just about revealing our needs, it's about transforming our wants. Listen, if we took seriously Jesus' prayer here, we would go from wanting the world, because that's what we want, right? We want the world. We want everything. We want fame and fortune. We want the world. And instead, our wants would be transformed. So what we really want is for God's will to be done in the world. We'd go from wanting fame and fortune to wanting our daily bread. We would go from wanting revenge to wanting forgiveness. We'd go from wanting our honor and our glory and our kingdom to wanting God's. Prayer isn't just about revealing our needs to God. God already knows your needs. It's about transforming your wants. It's not just going to God and saying, God, I want this and I want this and I want this and I want this and I need this and I need this and I need this. It's about you and I working on our relationship with our Father. And allowing that process of prayer to be where I lay out my heart and I lay out my wants and I lay out my needs, but I also allow him to shape my wants, to transform my wants, so that instead of wanting the world, I want his will to be done in the world. Instead of wanting a fortune, I want daily bread. Instead of wanting my enemies to get what's coming to them, I just want to experience the same forgiveness that I've already given to my enemies. And that really takes us to the next part where he says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Your relationship with others and your relationship with God are inseparably linked. I'll say that again. Your relationship with other people and your relationship with God are inseparably linked. 
The better you love God, the better you'll love others. The better you love others, the better you'll love God. And you cannot have a healthy relationship with God if you have unhealthy relationships with others. I know that's tough to hear, isn't it? It's a lot to take in. Let me say it again. You cannot have a healthy relationship with God and unhealthy relationships with others. Listen to what he says. If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Your relationships with other people and your relationship with God are inseparably linked. Every human being with whom you come into contact Every human being you hear about, every human being you see on the news, every human being you interact with on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram or whatever social media you're on, every human being you pass on the freeway or the tollway, every human being, every human being is an image bearer of God. Every human is made in the image of God. And you cannot have a healthy relationship with your father if you do not have a healthy relationship with your brothers and sisters, with your neighbors, and even with those who've done you wrong. And Jesus says, it's both. It's both. See, we have this way of thinking that's like, no, no, I I got my relationship with God and that's all good and fine. I don't get along with people very well, but me and God, we've got a special thing going. And God says, Jesus says, it doesn't work like that. They're inseparably linked. So your prayer life and your relationship with your neighbors and your brothers and sisters, they are inseparably linked. And it takes discipline, doesn't it? Because the better you get at loving your neighbors, the better relationship you can have with God. And the better you have a relationship with God, the more you love God, the better you can love your neighbors. And so it's both. And it requires intentionality. And it requires training. And it requires discipline. And it requires, you know what? I messed up yesterday, but I'm going to work on it today. And I'm going to strive. Why? Because I love my father. I want to experience his forgiveness and I want to experience his presence. Do you want to experience the presence of God? Eternally, yes, that too. But now, right now, you can experience the presence of God. I hope you'll forgive me. I know this is a little bit corny because it rhymes, but I I want us to remember it. When you find a secret place of prayer, you will always find your father there. When you find a secret place of prayer, you will always find your father there. Isn't that encouraging? To know if you find a secret place of prayer and you decide intentionally, in a disciplined way, I'm going to spend time with my father. I'm going to spend time with my father and you find a secret place of prayer, you will always find your father there. He is in secret. He sees in secret and he will reward you. He'll reward you 
And I think he rewards you with his presence now and forever. I would, I would hate it. I would hate it if being in the presence of my family or being in the presence of a celebrity or being in the presence of a singer or being in the presence of a band, if that meant more to me than being in the presence of my heavenly father. He's, he's as close as your closet. He's as close as your back porch. He's as close as... And you say, well, isn't God every? Of course he's everywhere. But if you really want to spend time with him and be in his presence, then it's going to require you being intentional. Jesus says, go into your inner room and shut the door and your father who is in secret will see in secret and reward you. When you find a secret place of prayer, you will always find your father there. I'm reminded of a story of the brother of Jesus, James. James, the brother of Jesus. And later generations of Christians would report that James was so fervent in prayer that he went to the temple every day and would spend so much time in prayer that his knees became calloused and hard like a camel's. Some people say that they, they called him like old, old camel knees. You know, old camel knees James, because his knees were so calloused and hard because he spent so much time in prayer. Can you imagine spending so much time on your knees that your knees actually became hard and calloused? But what a reward to have spent that much time in the presence of his father. That is the reward. If you can find a secret place of prayer, you will always find your father there. What an amazing promise that is. And I know some of us don't feel like we're very good at prayer. Maybe you feel like that's for someone else and someone else is more spiritual than you. Don't, don't judge somebody's spirituality by what you've seen on a Sunday morning, on a Wednesday night. Don't think that for anybody, prayer just comes naturally or comes easily. For all of us, it requires discipline and intentionality. And, and it doesn't matter what happened yesterday or last week. It doesn't matter if the last time that you tried to pray, you couldn't find the right words because it's not really so much about what you say, but about the one to whom you're saying it. And your father is as close as a secret place. And if you just find a place to be still and to be quiet, you will, guaranteed, Find your father there. But remember too that you're not in this alone. Your prayer life, my prayer life, your life, my life, we're all connected. We're all in this together. And if you're struggling with your prayer life, if you're struggling with your, your walk with the Lord, if you're struggling with anything, we are here for you and we want to help you any way that we can because your problems and your burdens are our problems and our burdens because we're in this together. We are one family and we are connected and we belong to each other. And so let's be praying for each other and with each other and let's be helping each other today and every day. We have a, a song that we're gonna sing, an update from our elders, and then we'll be closed in prayer. Thank you for being with us this morning.